0: Today's daf in Mesecha Saita is daf Yadalid. We are beginning at the Hagoi Sabach Aleph, actually. We're going to read it. There's an Hagoi Sabach that adds a significant piece to the Gemara here. I really should have attached this to yesterday's shir, because it was really no get to the topic yesterday, but I didn't see it yesterday. So, as Hashem, I'll attach it to today's daf. Beautiful piece that the Bach quotes here. It's quoted in the Gemara as quoted by the Ein Yaakov. It's not in our own... Gemara, beautiful piece. We're going to start with. There's really three parts in today's daf. That first part is going to be really an addendum to yesterday's daf. But then, till the end of the parak, end of the first parak here, we're going to discuss the Galut Gemara as relating to Moshe Rabbeinu, Adam and Chava. The second point is going to be the distinctions between the Mincha of the Saita, and the Carbon Mincha, the flower offerings in general. And then the rest of the daf, the third point of the day is going to be a stira from a b'risa, a resolution of the contradiction between the b'risa and our Mishnah. And then we'll discuss the Tosefta, that that same Tosefta at length, um, which is just discussing the order of the general procedures of Korban Minchas. So let's begin. We're going to actually begin at that Agoy Sabach, which is towards the top of Yadalat ramad Aleph. The Bach adds in a significant piece here. So we're going to start with the text of the Bach here. Yesterday, we finished speaking about Moshe Rabbeinu, how nobody knows where he's buried. And he was buried by Baal Pa'or, Beis Pa'or, so as to atone for the sins of the Jewish people that occurred in that area. Now the Gemara, as the Bach has it, which is really the text, the Girsa of the Ein Yaakov's Gemara, the Gemara adds in, Bach adds in as follows, nestater Moshe me'ene Fascinating piece here. What is the reason that Akarish Baruch Hu made it that the grave of Moshe Rabbeinu was hidden from people? We mentioned yesterday, even if they could pinpoint it, they couldn't access it. Right? That was the Malchus uh, HaRasha, the Romans lechaira. They tried to pinpoint it and access it. So why is it HaKadosh Baruch Hu made it? It's a supernatural existence that cannot be accessed. Because it's revealed in front of Hashem. Unbelievable piece here that the Beis HaMikdash was going to be destroyed. All right, about 500 years into the future, after the death of Moshe Rabbeinu, or say 480, there was going to be a Beis HaMikdash, and then about 500 years after that, it was going to be destroyed. And there was going to be 70 years, another 500 years. point is that the Beis HaMikdash was going to have to be destroyed at some point. The Jews would have to be exiled from their land. Now, if they knew where Moshe's kever was, where his grave was, the Jews would come to his kever at that time when they're being sent to exile. They would stand and crying. And they would entreat Moshe Rabbeinu. And they would say to him, Moshe Rabenu, Moshe, our master. Get up in tefillah on our behalf. And Masha would get up in tefillah. And he would nullify the decree that was made against the Jewish people the base of the of Mikdash had to be destroyed. The Jews had to be exiled. Because tzadikim are more beloved to Hashem in their death, even more than they were in their lifetime. And what we're about to do is to show that this is a unique principle as applied to Moshe Rabbeinu. And because of that, in his death, if there would have been a capacity to identify his grave, then when it was necessary for there to be some sort of a churban and a galos, it would never have been able to occur, which is not applicable to other tzaddikim. Um, I just want to point one thing out before we go ahead in the Bach, is that this, the way that the Bach says they would have davened is they would have spoke to the mace, to Moshe Rabbeinu, daven on our behalf. L'chayra, this is not how we daven by kv, uh, Kvarim today, and this is L'chayra, a hotly contested topic, actually. Uh, not, not to get political here, but the, the, the Litvish world in general, the mahalich that's used is, when they daven by a kever, it's, we're davening in the schus of the person buried here, and in that merit, HaKadosh Baruch should listen to our request. Other groups, perhaps Hasidim maybe, they actually, Davin, I'm not sure how to say it properly, but maybe to the mace or to the tzaddik that's buried there to intercede on their behalf. But the late Veshevelt would look at that and say that's a problem because you're not allowed to pray to anything besides a Kaddish Baruch Hu. This actually gets into certain topics of um, certain tefillas that become contested because it sounds like we're entreating malachim to intercede on our behalf, which is not a de Azach. So my father wanted to suggest, perhaps, it's not a raya from here, even though that is the implication. They're saying, Moshe Rabbeinu, amod ba'adenu. That sounds pretty clear, uh, not like the generally accepted approach by Litvaks. But he wanted to say, perhaps, this goes with the Mahalech of Moshe laimes, the end of Yud Gimel Beis. So if you go with that Mahalech, so it's like going to a rev and asking him to daven on your behalf. You could do that. It's not a problem. It's only when somebody's not alive. That would be an issue, perhaps, of uh, having somebody entreat on your behalf. It's perhaps not an issue with Moshe Rabbeinu because he's still... Moshe Rabbeinu, like we said, at the bottom of Yigimah according to one sheet. Huh? Fine. All right, let's continue. But the point is, the Bach continues and tells us, where do we find that Moshe Rabbeinu at such a koyach of tefillah? His, his chus was so powerful, and therefore in his death, it would have even prevented Chorban and galus, and that's why we couldn't know where he's buried. b'shosh, Hayisrael bamidbar. Because we find... When the Jews were in the mid midbar, and they spoiled in their actions, literally, it means they acted inappropriately, and they made the egel azav, which was the, the severe sin that we're still unfortunately getting punished for. Adayom. Kotzef HaKarish Baruch Hashem got upset at the Jewish people, She said to Moshe, Leave me alone, means don't dab into me, and I'll destroy them. And the Gemara tell, Bach continues, "How many righteous people were in that generation? How many saintly people were there? Moshe and Yeshua. First, we had Moshe, Aaron, Yeshua. Eldar Umeidad, Eldar Umeidad, who were tzaddikim. Ayin's, for seventy elders. Sharach Talmidim, many wise people and their students. who did not save the Jewish people in their merit. but didn't nullify the decree to destroy the Jews." only because of Moshe. Moshe saved the Jewish people. The point is, as you see how beloved Moshe was, even in his lifetime, and in his death, even he's more beloved. So because of this, it was necessary for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to conceal the burial plot of Moshe Rabbeinu as there would have to be a korban, and there would have to be a gollis, apparently, and, and being able to identify his kever would prevent that from occurring. Okay, now we get back to our gemara. What does it mean when the pasuk says? <coughs> to take a here. The pasuk tells us. You should follow after Hashem, your God. Is it possible to follow after the Shekhinah? But the Pasuk tells us, Hashem is an all-consuming fire. You can't follow after an all-consuming fire because you'll get burnt. So Ella, the Gemara says, what is it teaching you? We need to follow after the character of Hashem. Shalakarish Boruchu. Mahum al bisharumim, just as a kaddish baruch clothes the naked. The pasuk tells in after Adam and Chava, the chet of Adam Arishon, it says, Not only does it say that he made them clothing, but Vayal Bishem, he clothed them. So just as Hashem clothes the naked, Afatah al you also have to clothe the naked. That's literally, also figuratively. There's such a such a focus we have to have. Hakadosh Baruch Hu, B'ker Choyl, we that Hakadosh Baruchu visited the sick. The Chizkiv, as it says, by Avram Avinu, when he was suffering, on the third day of his um, bris mila, it says, "Vayari Lo Hashem be'Elan E'mamrei." Hashem appeared to him in Elan when he was recovering from his brismila. mila. Hashem visited him. Afat Bakir Choyl, you should also be B'ker Choyl, visit the sick. Hakadosh Baruch Hu, Nichim after the death of Avram Avinu. Hashem. Uh, comforted Yitzchak, the son, the mourner. The as the pasuk says, "Va'yechari Mais Avram," was after the death of Avram. "Va'yivorich Elokim es Yitzchak Hashem blessed him. What did he bless him with? He blessed him with uh, Tanchumi Avilim. He gave him the uh, comfort as you give a mourner. Afat and Achim Avilim. You should also comfort mourners. "Hakadosh Baruch Hu kavar Maisim." Hakadosh baruchu, buried the dead. The we learned this, in you give It says, begai." Hashem buried him in, uh, in the valley. Mais in uh, we said in the portion of God, afatak formesim So to you, Jewish people should follow in his ways and his midays and bury the dead. Okay, continues the Gemara. Kasnas so or because we mentioned by Adam Arisha and Anum that Hashem made them kasnas or byalbishen. The Gemara analyzes what were these clothing of or is literally leather or skin that Hashem made for them. What were they made out of? So Rav Shmuel. So one says it's something that comes from the skin. Rashi says, referring to wool. And the other one says, Rashi says over here, Linen. And Baruch made them something that the, the flesh benefits from. You wear it near your skin and it keeps you comfortable. Okay, so it's Machlechus what the clothing and Baruch made for Adam and Chava, what they were made out of. torah Rabbi Simlai. The Torah begins and ends with acts of Hashem of kindness. The Torah begins with acts of kindness. As the passage says, like we quoted above, Hashem made clothing of um, leather, or as we learned above, it's either wool or linen, and He dressed them. So this is Hashem was Ma'al the Saifa gemilas chasam it also ends with gemilas chasadim d'chiv as it says by kavrosei begay Hashem buried Moshe in the valley so you see he was kaver mason and lechera the point is that we're supposed to learn from it that the entire Torah is gemilas chasadim we so focused on that okay let's continue darash rav simli mitnei manis ave Moshe Rabbeinu likanis laEretz you just said over here you know today people want to go to Eretz Yisrael and there could be different agendas why. This Gemara tells us what is the reason we really want to live in Eretz Yisrael. What's the reason you didn't want to live there? So, we explained, "If Naimanus Avay Moshe Yisrael, what is the reason Moshe desired so much to enter Eretz Yisrael? I entreated Hashem; He wanted to go to Eretz Yisrael, and Hashem didn't let him. Did That Moshe Rabbeinu want, uh, Need to Eat the Fruits of the Land Or L'spaya Or To." Be satisfied from its good. What was the point? Moshe said the following. There are many mitzvahs the Jews were commanded. But you can only fulfill them in the land. Trumas, maestros, all kinds of mitzvahs that are only applicable in Eretz Yisro. I want to enter the land so that they could all be fulfilled through me. That's why he wanted to enter Eretz Yisro, to fulfill the mitzvahs that one can only do there. You only want to go there to do mitzvahs and receive reward. That's the point. You can't go in because I made a gezerah because of meriva that you're not allowed to enter. But I will consider it about you as if you've performed them. We'll finish off the parakel with this. As the Pesach in Yeshaya tells us relating to Moshe, I will divide up. I'll give him a portion amongst the, the multitudes. With the mighty ones, he will divide a portion. Because he poured out his soul to die. And with the sinners, he considered himself. And he pardoned the sin of the public. And he prayed on behalf of the sinners. So let's go through the pasuk now. Explain how each part relates to Moshe. And therefore, I will give him a portion amongst the the public. So he might. what it means is that he'll get a portion like the mighty ones so you might think it's only like the later mighty ones but like, not like the earlier mighty ones therefore the pasach says <coughs> with the mighty ones the, are the mighty ones he will divide up the portion <laughs> like and Yaakov, who were mighty in Torah and mitzvahs meaning he got a portion like them which is the reference to the point is, is that he got a portion in Eretz Yisrael as if he did the mitzvahs in Eretz Yisrael because he was so desirous to do those mitzvahs. Because he poured out his soul to die. What does that mean? He gave him himself over to death. as it says, Moshe said after the Misa Egel, if you won't forgive the Jewish people, you're going to destroy them. Destroy me as well. The Espoishim Nimnan with the sinners, he considered himself. midbar. Even though he didn't do the sin that the, the people in the Midbar had done, which is the Miraglim, the Egel, etc., he was considered along with them. There's a lot to be said over here, but we're going to continue. The He pardoned the sin of the public. He was the one that brought the atonement for the sin of the golden calf. And what does it mean? For the sinners, he entreated Hashem. He davened. He davened that the sinners of the Jewish people should return in tshuva, should come back to Hashem through the means of tshuva. The ain pegiel a tfilah pegiel's language of tfilah. And as it says, it says, "Nirmiya ve'atal tispal bo amaze." Don't pray for these people. Ve'altisa ba'adam do not pardon for them. Rino's tfilah with. The languages of Tefillah, Valtifka B, and don't entreat me. So we see the language of Tefillah. The point is, Abbeinu, when it says um, for the Poishim he was Yafkiya, it means he davened for them. We're stopped. This is the end of the parak. We finished the first parak in Saita and now we're continuing on with the second parak and the second point of today. Now we're getting back to sight a little bit after all the Agaratah. it says the Mishnah. Now, Let's get now to the Seder that occurred in regards to the Mincha that the Saita would bring. So, just a brief introduction. We know that the Saita would, there was this procedure surrounding the water, which we'll discuss momentarily. It's actually a Machleikis, which one, what, what the order was. But there was the procedure surrounding the water, and then there was also the procedure of the carbon Mincha. There's the Machlaikis, as we'll see momentarily, we're going to quote it here, really it's later in the Msefta, meaning it's discussed at length, the order, which one came first. But the point is, is that now we're going to discuss unique qualities of the carbon Mincha, the flower offering the Saita brought, that didn't exist by general flower offerings, general uh, piecemeal offerings. Says the Gemara, says the Mishnah. They would bring her flower offering, in Kfifa metris Kfifa metris is a wicker basket. Right? She learns over here, it's a, a basket made of the vines that come that uh, surround the palm tree. So it's some sort of a wooden wicker basket. They would put it on her hands, in order to exhaust her. We learned that earlier, they would also schlep her around to exhaust her so that she would admit her guilt. As we'll see momentarily in the Gemara, there could be two reasons for, for our focus on that. Now says the Mishnah, General carbon minchas would start and end in a Klisharis. Now start and end. The Gemara understands at this point start means when it's brought from her house, the karb, or or the owner of the minchas house. When it was brought, it would be brought in a Klisharis. And end, the uh, implication now is when they would bring it from the house to Klisharis, as well as Saifa, before the kemitzah was taken. And I just want to point out, we're going to really see this more in the Gemara, but how, what was the general procedure? They would bring the karba mincha. we'll see in a moment what that means exactly in a but let's just assume like we're saying now, from the house in a they would take the flower out, put it in another Eklish and then they would take it to a third vessel that was also a Shares, in order to remove the kemitzah. The Gemara is going to explain this a little bit better, but let's see now. Vizu, but this, in regards to the Sotas Karbomencha, Techilasibikvifa Metris, so it was brought from the house in a kvifa Metris, a wicker wooden basket, Vesayfabiklisharis. And the end, which the implication now is when it, before the Kemitzah was taken, it was placed in a klisharis, one of the holy vessels of the Beisamektash. Kolam to This is another difference. All of the carbon minchas required oil and frankincense. Fizu, but the carbon mincha of the saita. Eina to Una, it didn't require laisham and Lavina. Neither, neither, neither of these ingredients. Kola menachas, difference number three. Ba is minachitin, that it was taken from wheat flour. Fizu, the carbon mincha of the saita, ba minas iron was brought from barley flour. Now the Gemara Mishnah says, but in this distinction, there is another one that actually fits the bill, but is still different. Minchas Omer, even though the Minchas Omer we just passed, so we started Sfiras they would bring the Korban Omer, flower offering of the o-oymer, on the second day of Pesach. Oimer, it's true that it did come from barley flour as well, like the Saita, but he it actually came from finely sifted barley flour. Rashi learns over here it was sifted thirteen times in thirteen sieves. The point is is that it was very sifted. Just like the wheat flour was generally used for karba minchas. zoo but the one of the tsoitah, was a thicker grind, grain. It was not as uh, sifted and not as pure. And she says, which is a lesser grade uh, flour. Rabbi Gamil concludes the Mishnah and says, just as she acted in a way that was animalistic, we'll get back to this in the Gemara, but the point is, is that. Rabbi is saying that her, an, her carbon is brought from barley flour, which is animal feed. And today we eat barley, but in the challenge we're eating it. But it used to be it was considered animal food. She acted in a way that was animalistic in, in terms of uh, straying from under her husband, and therefore she brings an animal carbon, animal feed carbon. Okay, okay. says the Gemara, Tanya, Abachan, and Noem Rabbi Eliezer. Or some, yeah, the, yeah. Why do we want to exhaust her? What was the purpose, says Avuchanan? What was the purpose of trying to exhaust her? In order that she should retract. It means we want her to admit. Why do we want her to admit? We want to save her life. Because if the Torah cares so much about those that transgress Hashem's will, meaning, even if it's true that she wasn't Mizana, she still disobeyed her husband and went into Yichud, which she wasn't supposed to do. So this woman is somebody who di- is certainly not doing the right thing. And if the Torah cares so much about those that transgress the will of Hashem, tal how much more does a Kaddish Baruch care about those that perform the will of Hashem? So the point is that Rabbi Chanan, in order to say this, seems to be assuming that the reason we want to exhaust her, so she will admit, is to save her life. Challenges the Gemara, one second. How do you know that's why you want to save her life? How do you know that the reason we want to save her life is because we care about her? Because maybe it's so that we shouldn't erase the Megillah, the Shem Hashem. We know in the water procedure, which we'll get to later, they they would erase the name of Hashem in the waters of the Saitah. So perhaps the reason we want to cause her to admit is so we don't have to erase the name of Hashem. So the Gemara says in order to show why Abba Chanan is able to draw the conclusion is we want to save her life and not that we want her to admit so that the name of Hashem is not erased, Kasavar, turning to Yadalag Mebeis now, it must be Abuchanan, holds, achar kach maker right? As I alluded to in the Mishnah, there is a Machleik about this. But Abuchanan must hold, first they would give her to drink and only afterwards would they bring her carbon Mincha. Now let me speak to out. Rashi explains like this. If you hold like the other shita. First they would bring the carbon Mincha and then she would drink the Meisaita. The effects would be had after she would drink. That's the point. Meaning there was a Mincha, or Mincha Saita was brought and then she would drink the waters of the Saita and then if she was Mezana she would blow up. Fine. Now if you hold like that Shita, the reason we would be trying to get her to admit until the point that she drinks could very well be because we don't want to erase Hashem's name. But if you hold the other way, which is as the Gemara is going to say, Abba Chanin holds, First she would drink, and then they would bring her carbon mincha. And we're saying that even after she drank the mesaita, the effects were only had after the mincha was brought, as the psukim call it, maskeres avon. That's what brings out the avera, meaning it's what determines if she was mezana or not. That means she would drink the mesaita. You've already erased the name of Hashem, and you're trying to get her to admit Afterwards, before the Karban Mincha is brought, in order that after, when the Karban Mincha is brought, she doesn't die. So you see clearly, it's not because we're concerned about erasing Hashem's name, as that's already been done. must be it's because we care about her dying. And then, says the Gemara, the, Because of the Megillah was already erased, it must be the Torah cares about her. And Imkacha, the the Torah is chasa al over ritzaina al achas kam be on those that are oisir ritzaina that follow Hashem's will. The Torah cares about them. Now we'll get more into this machlogez and daf But the Gemara says Avachanin must follow that shita that holds mashkev acharkach makravis menchasa. Okay, now let's get into the the Mishnah the way it lays it out. The Mishnah tells us so. The Mishnah tells us. Yeah, I could go after. So in our mishnah we had said that the general carbon minchas were brought the beginning in a as opposed to the mincha of the site that was brought in kfifa mitsris. so what the gemara is going to bring now is a tosefta that seems to contradict this because we're assuming that when it says what's the beginning it means from the house so it says the tosefta viraminu. now we're going to go through a long tosefta and we, we're going to resolve the contradiction, and then we're just going to explain every step of the Tosefta, which discusses the general procedures of carbon minchas, of meal offerings. Veram the Gemara says, I'll bring you a Tosefta that contradicts the assumption that the carbon mincha was brought from the house in Klishares, and for minchasot, it was brought in Kfifa Mitras, in the wicker basket. But the, tosef, the teacher, is... what is the order of General Karba Mincha? A person would bring a Karba Mincha from his house in baskets of gold and silver. And already, that's going to be the point, is that it's not Klisharis. And this is a double language. We'll analyze every step in the, in the Gemara. And they would put it from the gold and silver baskets into a sharis and sanctify it in a sharis. The implication is you need to have kavana in order for it to be sanctified. They would put oil and frankincense on it. Then they would bring it to the koyin. The koyin would bring it to the mizbeach. And he would bring it close to the southwestern corner. This is the step in Havoyda called Hagash opposite the point of the corner of the southwest. And he would separate the frankincense to one side, meaning it's on top of the flower, but put it on one side. He would take a kemitzah from an area of the flower that had an abundance of oil. And then he would put the kemitzah, the fistful, into a second kemitzah. And again, have intention to sanctify it in in that klisharis. it um, is Then he would gather the levina from the first klishares, Venais and put it on top of the Kemitsa, that's in the second Klisharis, Um Aleu Maktiro. This order is a little bit difficult, but he would bring it up and burn it. we'll Discuss this in the Gemara. Um ishim. He would salt it and then put it on top of the fires. So that, this order is difficult because it says burn it and then put it on the fire. We'll see in the Gemara what what how he resolved this part of the Tosefta. Okay, Kirav Akoim, it's once the Kemitzah was brought, and there's a is what Kirav means, we'll see in the Gemara. Shirane Cholin, the rest of the flour that remained is consumed by the Kohanim, the Kohanim are allowed to put into the rest of the flour that they're allowed to consume wine, oil, or honey. They're only not allowed to make it into Chamitz. End of the Tosefta. Katani mila. however, says the Gemara, we taught in the beginning, Beklahsa shel kasef, shel zahav. The Tosefta said they would bring it from the house in gold and silver uh, kelim. So it seems to be that it wasn't brought from a klisharis. Yet our Mishnah seems to say General Karba Minchas were brought from the house already in a klisharis. or Papa answers, Perhaps when the Mishnah says General Karba Minchas are brought, Tchilosa means, Chilas and klisharis means kalim that are fit to be kleisharis What does it mean? They don't have to be kleisharis but they have to be a material that is fitting to be kleisharis and gold and silver are really in for klisharis. So the Gemara says mechal, but then that would imply that we're distinguishing between Saita and the rest, which means that it would imply then to kfifa mitris, that kfifa mitris is not fit for kleisharis because what the Mishnah is then distinguishing between is, although general... Karba minchas are brought in kaolin that are roi for klei i.e. gold and silver. The wooden wicker baskets are not fit, and that's what these esaytah's minchas brought in. So, come on, then, which sheet would this go like? To like Rabbi Yehuda, not like the Pinrais Rabbi because we have a b'raisa elsewhere, klei sharis, shahasan, If you make clay sharis out of wood, Rabbi Paisal, Rabbi says it's invalid. That's not a, f- a fitting material for clay sharis. Rabbi Yisra Rabbi Yudah Rabbi, Yez, Rabbi says it is kosher, it's acceptable for clay sharis. So Gemara says, Lechair would come out is that the distinction our Mishnah is making, the way we're understanding it now, is that general karba minchas are brought in Kaelam that are roi for clay sharis, which means gold and silver, as opposed to wood. It would come out. Now, like Rabbi Yisra because he says that wooden ornaments are acceptable for clay shares. So is answers, Aphilatame Rabbi Yisra Rabbi Yez, Rabbi, Rabbi, Yez, Rabbi could be like our Mishnah as well. Amar, to Amar he only said that wood is a f- acceptable for Klesharis Bechashuvin, regarding uh, valuable, expensive, significant wooden vessels, mahogany wood. That could be used as a Klesharis, that's Chashuv. But Bechusin, Bechusin, mi Amar, did he say it also when it comes to uh, inferior wooden vessels like fifa mitris, like wicker baskets la la does he not agree with the general principle of says bring it to your governors, and the idea there is if you wouldn't serve something like this to uh, human masters, human governors, certainly it's not acceptable for Hashem. So the point is, as the Gemara is saying, is even he would concede, I hold chash of wood, significant wood, is acceptable for Klesharis. but Kvif is not acceptable because that's considered inferior, and therefore in our Mishnah, as it says, the site that was brought from the house in Kvif HaMitsris, because that was something that's not roy really for Klesharis, as that's inferior. Okay, now we're going to continue the rest of the day analyzing this Tosefta and bringing Mekoiris for each step of the process of the general Karban Mincha. and So the Mishnah, the, the Tosefta told us that they would put it into a Sharis, the flower for the Mincha, and they would sanctify it. Now those words are extra Mekhad Shubikle So the Gemara understands why does it have to say that? Is that you need focus in order to sanctify it. Now let's just speak this out for a minute. When you bring the Karban Mincha flower in, it only has kedushas damim, meaning Its value is holy, but it's not Kiddushas Haguf. When you put it into the first Klisharis, the Gemara understands at this point with intention, means um, Ummikachibi Klisharis is adding, because you have intention, now it changes from being Kiddushas Damim to Kiddushas Haguf. But you need to have that intention, as is implied by those extra words, Um, Ummikachibi Klisharis. It's like a different action. Just putting it into the Klisharis wouldn't accomplish that. So Shmas Minah, the Gemara says, we see from those extra words, the extra emphasis, Klisharis in Mikachin Elamidas. The Klesharis will only sanctify if you have specific intent for it to sanctify, but just putting it into the Klesharis itself will not be effective. So the more answer is no. Ema, perhaps, will say, really, you don't have to, have to have Das. It will be sanctified even without focusing on sanctifying it. ad Ha'aguf. Nois <laughs> be Klesharis, be Klesharis. Perhaps the way you read the Tasefta is you put it in the Klesharis in order to sanctify it in the Klesharis, but not that you specifically need Das to, because even putting it in without intent to sanctify in the cliches would be effective for it to become qadrish b'khtusha saguf. You put on it oil and levoina and frankincense, as the Pasik tells us regarding general karba minchas. You put on it avyotzak ala shemin, vinasan ala levoina. He put on it uh, the oil and he put on it the frankincense. This is very clearly, the psukim tells us that those were two key ingredients. And then they would bring it to the as the says, and uh, bring it to the, and, uh, it to the We're just going through steps in the to showing the sources in the psukim that each step was necessary for the karba mincha. The must be at the coin would do the. the of the avoid of hagosha bring it to the mizbeach as it says he will bring it to the mizbeach magishe now we said in the tosefta we'll bring it to the southwestern corner and that was sufficient now we're going to see what it means it was sufficient dayo later in the gemara but first the gemara wants to know where do we know this idea that i had to go to the southwestern corner now to appreciate this we have to have a little bit of a introduction the was situated with the western side facing the Heichal. The western side was facing the Kodesh and the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and the south was like the face of the Mizbech, and that's where the ramp was. Meaning you ascended from the south, and it was situated that the western side was facing the Kodesh and the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the Heichal. So let's see this inside. So, how do we know that the Hagosha had to be done to the southwestern corner. The pasuk tells this is the rule of the mincha. Akri, hashem. So these are the key words: the bnei aharon should bring it hashem, in front of hashem means in front of the heichal, el panei to the face of the Mizbeh. Etanya and the Bryce explains as follows: lefnei hashem, by saying so it would have to be on the western side of the Mizbeach, as I just said, because the western side of the Mizbeach was opposite, was facing the Heichal. That's considered in front of Hashem. But therefore it says in front of the Mizbeach. Now the front of the Mizbeach is the south. That's the entrance, or the, the where you would walk up the Mizbeach, as that's where the ramp was. But if it says to the face of the Mizbeach, so maybe it's the south. Therefore, it says which means in front of, opposite the heichal, which means in the west. So how do we resolve both parts of the pasuk? You bring it to the corner of the southwest corner of the mizbeach, and that's enough. Now, <coughs> I wanted to point out before we go to the next Shita the Tanakama's opinion is that the mizbeach was situated. Farther south. Now, when you would bring it to the southwestern corner, it wasn't actually necessarily visibly opposite the heichal. Meaning, he holds that the mizbeach was farther south. Because of that, it could be that it wasn't actually parallel directly to the heichal. The southwestern corner you brought it to was still in the direction opposite the heichal, but it could be that the walls of the uh, structure didn't actually reveal the Hechel to where the Mizbeach was. But bringing it to the southwestern corner was sufficient because the west was opposite where the Hechel was situated as a generality, and the south was Penam Mizbeach. That's the Tanakama's opinion, and that's sufficient. Urbalaz is going to disagree because he holds that the situation of the Mizbeach was different, and in order to fulfill this Pasuk, we're going to see he was much more particular. So let's see this inside now. Rabbi Allah karen. you might think that you should bring the vessel holding the kemitzah, the, the, the flower of the mincha in general, in the western side of the southwestern corner. Or the southern side of the southwestern corner. So the answer to that is like this Amrit, the response is, wherever you find psukim. Now, one of the psukim fulfills itself as well as the other. Now, one fulfills itself but nullifies the other. So you put aside the one that only fulfills itself. And you utilize the one, the one that fulfills itself and the other one. Now, let's, let's explain how that's applicable here. Bemarov, if you would bring the Karma mincha and perform hagasha in the west, which is lefnas Hashem, bitalto el So now what you've done is means if you brought it to the western side of the southwestern corner, you're mevatel because pneya mizbeach is specifically the south. Bedoram in the south. However, says Rebelazar, Lazar. If you fulfill the pasuk of Lifashem, um is However, if you fulfill the Pasak of Panam is which is in the south, the front of them is back, the face of them is in the south, Kiyam you also have fulfilled in front of Hashem, in front of the Heichal in the west. Hok, says Rabalazar, so how would you do it then? Magishalmesh al Karin, you bring it to the southern part of the southwestern corner, <coughs> and in this way, you fulfilled both the Pnei HaShem, uh, Pnei me mezbech, because that's the face of Mizbech, and Pnei Hashem, because that's the opposite, the Heichel. So the words of Hechel Kiyamta, I don't understand. Assuming the Mizbech is farther south, According to Jebel who's being very particular here, I understand how you fulfilled it needing to be in the south, which is the face of the Mizbeh, but how have you fulfilled opposite the heichal? Assuming it's farther south, it's not actually opposite the entrance of the heichal. So then you haven't fulfilled the west necessarily, and you're not, it's not considered with Hashem. Um, Ravashi and this is what I was pointing out before Ravashi says Rebbe disagrees with the Tanakhama and he, Kisavar he holds high HaItanah Kisavar that Rebbe Lezer holds Kuli that the Mizbech really Rashi learns is a little Avdavka who was shifted farther north now what does it mean it was shifted farther north what it means is is that the Mizbeach was shifted farther north so that if you bring the Korbul Mincha to the southern part of the southwestern corner, that area is also opposite the entrance of the Heichal, even though it's not brought to the western side of the southwestern corner, the southern side of the southwestern corner is also Lifnei Hashem. It's also opposite the Heichal. And therefore, it's considered both the south, being actually brought to the south, southern part of the southwestern corner is to the face of the Mizbech. Being opposite the Heichel because the Mizbech is entirely shifted farther north makes it also that it's the western part, which is also Lifnashem. Beautiful. My Vidayo. now the Brysa said Vidayo, it's enough. What does it mean you bring it there and it's enough? It's mashma that you might have thought that something else should be done, but this is enough for Agasha. So Amaravash, Amar Yeravash explains, it's rich. it's necessary to say it's enough. You might think that you have to actually touch the flower of the Mincha to the Mizbech itself to be yoytze Agasha. therefore the, the Brysa tells us, only the Kli that's holding the Mincha, <coughs> has to touch the Mizbeach, but not the contents. <coughs> Maybe it is like that. Maybe the, <coughs> actually the contents have to be flipped over and touch the Mizbeach. Mark Ra, the Gemara says is, therefore the Pasik tells us, koyen, <coughs> Mizbeach. It says, <coughs> you bring the keli holding the flower to the koyen, and he brings it close to the mizbeach. So we make a juxtaposition. Just as the bringing to the koyen is, is in a kli, it doesn't actually have to touch the contents it's a mizbeach b'kli, so too the hagosha that the koyen, brings it to the mizbeach, it doesn't actually have to be the contents touching the mizbeach, but rather simply it has to be that the kli itself touches the mizbeach. Okay, let's continue. Back in the Tosefta. Tosefta told what was the next step. After the Kohen brought the Da'agasha, brought it close to the Mizbeach, it says he would take a, he would move over the levina, that's in the vessel, the frankincense. Right? He would move over the levina to one side. So the Gemara says, why would he do that? Because he's about to take the Kemitsa, and we don't want any of the frankincense to be enveloped in the Kemitah. The kid it's not because the Mishnah teaches us menachas. if he did a Kemitah and a pebble came into his hand, a Gargar Melech, or a piece of salt, a Kert levina, or a grain of frankincense, puzzle. it invalidates the Kemitah. So he shift over the levina, the frankincense, and then he would take the Kemitah. And the Tosefta continued, And he would take a kamitza from the place that had an increase of oil. And how do we know that he should try to get a place that is thoroughly enveloped in oil? Because the Pasuk says, The Psukim constantly emphasized from the flour and the oil, from the girsa, which is the finely ground flour, and the oil. The point is, by emphasizing and the oil multiple times, what it's emphasizing is is that It wasn't necessary only to take from the flour, but it had to be that the oil was thoroughly enveloped in it. That's when the kamitza was considered appropriate. Now the Tosefta continued and said, you would take the kamitza, put it into a second kamitza, and sanctify it in a kamitza. Zalimari says, Why do you have to sanctify the kamitza in a again if Lakhara was already sanctified when it was all intact in the first kamitza? Zalimari so answers, Mirida hava adam just like when it comes to shechita regarding the blood. Da, when it comes to the shechita, the blood is already sanctified. The knife that you used for shechita is a klisharis, and it sanctified the blood already, but hader makdish love a klisharis. You catch the blood in a klisharis too, and you sanctify it again. So here too, there's no difference. The carbon mincha, every step correlates to a step of a large animal, which means is that when they would put the uh, f- the flour into uh, the first vessel, so that was similar to the right. That was the first first sanctification, similar to the shechita. When you take the uh, the the, um, the Kamitsa and then you burn it, so that's similar to catching the blood and then sprinkling it on the Mizbech. The point is, is that it makes sense then that you would also have to sanctify it a second time, similar to how the blood is sanctified by the knife and then the vessel that catches it as well. And then you would gather the frankincense and put it on top of the Kamitsa in the second vessel. As the Pasuk says, But with the Lavoina that was on the Mincha was put onto the Kamitsa as well. Continues the, the Tosefta. Now this girsa is very very difficult, but it, the Tosefta said that they would bring it up and burn it in the Klisharis. So the Gemara says, what do you mean in the Klisharis? Would you burn it in the Klisharis? So now let's go with Rashi's girsa here. Ema, what it means? To, what do you mean burn it in the Klisharis? That doesn't even make sense. Ella Ema, what does it mean? So it says Rashi's Girsa. Maaleu You would. Bring it up in the Klisha in order to burn the Kmitzah. So Rashi says, right, He just adds that in because the, the next words in the Tosav, it says, And you would salt it and put it in the fire, but we already said you burnt it. So What it means to say is you would take it in the Klisha that the Kmitzah is sitting in, you would salt it, bring it up to the fires, and then you would burn it. It just has to be sort of amended. Cliche, how do you know that you would put salt on it and then burn it in the fire? Because it says, every korb mincha has to be salted like general korbanus. So a bris melach. Fine. Continues the Tosefta. And we said, once the kemitz is brought, the rest of it, flour, is eaten by the kohanim. So Gemara says, and how do we know that when it's brought, the remainder of the flowers eaten by the Kohan, it says, the The Kohen will burn her as um, is the thing that reminds her of sin. And that means, it refers to the Kemitah. Once you burn the Kemitah, the rest of the Shirayim are mutter. The in the Pasuk says then, what remains from the Mincha for is for Aaron and his children, they can consume it. Kir of Achaimetz, Lamarke de Isle, Lamarke de isle. points out there's actually a machlaikis about this, as we'll see in a minute. Machlaikis Amorayim, when it comes to the kimizah, how what, what's considered Kir of At what point is it considered that it's broad that the Shirayim are allowed to be consumed? So according to each opinion, will hold differently. Kedetmar, as it was stated, Achaimetz me'emasayim mutar Shirayim ba'chila. When are the Kohanim allowed to consume the rest of the Kemitzah, of the Shirayim, the rest of the flower? Rabbi Hanina Omar, Mishetesh Lot Or Rabbi Hanina says it's when the fire. Uh, begins to consume the Kemitzah, meaning the begin, very beginning, that the fire actually has to envelop most of the kemitsa a little bit later. That's when the Kohanim are allowed to eat the rest of the Shurayim. The Kohanim are allowed to put on it wine and oil, vidvashes, and honey. My time, what's the reason? I'm a ra- kura, because the Pasuk says, it says in the Pasuk that they should eat it, means their portion is for anointing, which is a language of Gedullah, of greatness. Greatness, like the king's eat it, meaning it should be, you could put something on it, put some mustard on it, put something on it to enjoy it, which is these items we just mentioned. The Tosefta said, however, you cannot make it into chametz. As it says, <speaking in Hebrew> their portion cannot be made into chametz. And the way we expound that is, I'm ben Lakish, <speaking> which <in> Lakish teaches, <Hebrew> even the portion that they're allowed to consume, which is the Yishirayim that are left over after the chametz is burnt, that is not allowed to be made into chametz. <clears throat> even though they are allowed to eat it, so therefore they could put honey, oil, etc., but they cannot make it into chametz. And we're going to stop here. We just explained the Tasefta. As is Hashem, we're stopping almost halfway down Teshuvah to Vamudalif. Tomorrow we'll do Taf Teshuvah and get back to the Mishnah and discuss general carbon minchas versus minchas Saita. Everybody have a wonderful day.